Welcome back to WWC. I'm your host, Will Wright. Today, we are going to be looking at the topic of forgiveness, which should resonate with each and every one of us. We all need forgiveness, and there's people in our lives that we need to forgive. So what does the faith teach about forgiveness? Why is it something that's good for us, even on a natural level? Uh, Those are the things that we're going to be jumping into today. I would recommend if you haven't yet listened to the last two weeks, uh, two weeks ago, we, we looked at judging actions rather than judging people. Um, some very important distinctions there. And of course, at WWC, that's what we're all about is making good distinctions. So definitely go back and check that episode out. And then last week, a, a related but distinct topic of how ideology can sometimes undermine charity and kindness. And so this week, we're, we're sort of rounding off a trilogy of episodes talking about forgiveness uh, and what is required of us from our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump in. Alexander Pope in his poem, An Essay on Criticism, written in 1711, says this. He says, To err is human, to forgive divine. This comes from an old Latin proverb, errare humanum est, or to err is human. And erring is easy. We do it all the time. We make silly mistakes. Sometimes we make big mistakes. We can be selfish, careless, ignorant, or just downright malicious uh, if the mood so fits us. But as St. Paul writes in Romans 3.23, every human being sins and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all need forgiveness. So why then is it so darn hard to forgive sometimes? Maybe we're waiting for an apology that never comes. Maybe we have tried to make things right, but it falls on deaf ears. Well, given our fallen world, it seems that forgiveness is just out of reach a lot of the time. And this is why Alexander Pope says that second part, that forgiveness is divine. Do we need the omnipotence of Almighty God, the divine, to muster up forgiveness? Or perhaps paradoxically, do we need to emulate the sublime humility of God to forgive others? So we're going to look at two separate orders. First, the natural order. And then the supernatural order asking this question, do we need to forgive? Because if we don't need to forgive anyone, then, then there's no point in this podcast and we can just go about our lives. And if someone irritates us, so be it, uh, you know, forget, forget about them. But do we need to forgive? Is it necessary to forgive? It's difficult. Perhaps it would be easier to just forego this exercise, just move on. But the problem with this is that resentment can build. Forgiveness is important for our physical and mental well-being. The Catholic author, Bert Gezi, puts it this way in his 1980 book, The Angry Christian. He says this, quote, Resentment is like poison we carry around inside us with the hope that when we get the chance, we can deposit it where it will harm another who has injured us. The fact is that we carry this poison at extreme risk to ourselves. So phrased another way, we could say that unforgiveness and resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. If we don't let it go, this resentment is a poison that will kill us, if not physically from the mental effects, then spiritually. So before you get too deep into resentment, remember that people, most of the time, 
err out of ignorance. Malice certainly exists. People do bad things out of malevolence. It would be naive to think otherwise, but it would be a mistake to always assume malice. Instead, we can apply what's called Hanlon's razor. And and it says this, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. Now, I'm not suggesting we assume everyone's stupid. That's, That's not a good way to go about things either. Remember, we have to judge actions and words, not people. However, it's far more charitable to assume that someone is acting out of misguided passion or ignorance rather than malice. We would want that from others. We would want them to assume um, that perhaps we're just um, misguided rather than actually being malicious. So that's the supernatural order. We don't want to poison ourselves with resentment. But what about the supernatural order, spiritually speaking? Our Lord Jesus lays it out on the line for us. He says this in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We're all sinners in need of God's forgiveness, his mercy, his love. Accordingly, it's not only a good idea to forgive, it's, it turns out it's absolutely necessary for salvation. Our blessed Lord shows us also in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark, verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father, also who is in heaven, may forgive your trespasses. So our forgiveness of others is plainly concomitant. It's alongside it. It goes hand in hand with the forgiveness that we receive from God. Jesus himself teaches us to pray uh, to the Father with these words. He, He says, Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In English, we usually translate that as forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And hearing this alongside the other two passages calling for us to be forgiving, the necessity becomes clear. Jesus makes it even clearer in St. Matthew's Gospel right after giving us the Our Father prayer when he says this in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And of course, I just read that a few sentences ago, but I think it's important to say again, if we forgive others, God will forgive us. The call to forgiveness is so important that it needs to be put forcefully and plainly. If you and I do not forgive other people, we will go to hell. The call is that simple. This act, however, is not simple. In fact, I would even say it's impossible for man. But with God, all things are possible. He gives us the grace in his Holy Spirit and through the merits of his Holy Cross. We need only cooperate with that grace in actually forgiving. But rest assured, or rather, don't rest assured, uh, let this impel you to seek forgiving others, that if we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven. We will go to hell. So forgiveness, it's clearly important. It's, it's one of the most powerful acts of love. It is requisite if we are to love. 
And this is all well and good when the person who needs to be forgiven is, is a friend or a family member or an acquaintance, uh, someone that maybe doesn't mean a whole lot to us or maybe means a lot to us. But what about when the person is our enemy? Well, Jesus says this at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So for a brief reflection on that last line, about reflection. Uh, a couple weeks back, we talked about how the perfect can sometimes be the enemy of the good here on Will Wright Catholic. So definitely go check that out for more of a reflection on that. But the, the main point is clear. We must love even our enemies. And this means forgiving them. So again, how is that possible? How can we as human beings actually forgive someone who is our enemy? who is so clearly opposed to our good that we would call them our enemy. Well, one of the most poignant examples in recent memory uh, comes from Corrie Ten Bloom. She was a Dutch woman who was arrested by the Nazis for hiding Jews. She survived countless horrors in the Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp. And later in 1947 in a church in Munich, she saw one of the guards from Ravensbrück. Since the war, this vile man uh, had converted. He actually became a Christian. And after her talk, he approached her and he asked her for forgiveness because he knew that he was one of the guards. And by the power of Jesus, Corrie Ten Bloom did forgive that Nazi guard. And this is the strength God gives us to overcome anger if we only ask. It would have been really easy for Corrie Ten Bloom to give in to hatred of this guard who, who had caused her so much suffering. And, and she says this when she's recounting this encounter. She recognizes him before he even begins to talk to her. And of course, she doesn't know that, or he doesn't know rather, that she was one of the prisoners in his camp. Uh, but it would have been easy for her to curse this man, to tell him exactly who he was and that she knew him and that he did terrible things to her and walk away. A compelling argument could even be made that he would have deserved, perhaps, to be treated like dirt. And she describes this moment, frozen before the former guard, as one of the most difficult things she has ever had to do. And she cried out in the silence of her heart to Christ. She said, Jesus, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And of course, Jesus answered. He desired for forgiveness to win the day, as it always does, because he always wins. She put out her hand and she describes being filled with a healing warmth, as she calls it. Tears came to her eyes and she said, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. The love of God has a power that cannot be explained in words. This forgiveness is impossible for man, but with God all things are possible. This radical love, this forgiveness is only possible with Jesus Christ. 
He himself gave us the model. He said, Father, forgive them. Speaking of the Romans, while they're putting him to death, while he's suffering his agonizing passion. Okay. So we can forgive our friends, our family members, our acquaintances, even our enemies. But what about forgiving ourselves? Sometimes the hardest person to forgive stares back at us in the mirror each morning. And again, the only way to truly forgive ourselves is to love ourselves, to get to this point of humility where we have to see ourselves how God sees us. That's what humility is. We need to deeply experience his love, mercy, and forgiveness. And you might be thinking, that's fine for other people, but I'm pretty awful. I mean, I I suck. Well, first of all, I would say, shush. No, you don't. And in the future, we're going to talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation. Suffice it to say, the former is a gift from God, and the latter is from the very pits of hell. But what does God reveal to us about his merciful forgiveness? Well, above all, he shows us the depths of his love from the cross. Jesus Christ is sinless. He's blameless. But for our sake, he went to the cross. For our sins, he endured the weight of the cross. He suffered. He died. He rose that we might be forgiven. And that wasn't enough. Then he rose, when he rose from the dead, he established the church to have us share in his merits because he made us co-heirs with him through baptism. What a gift that is in all of the sacraments. So it's clear that we have to love ourselves. We have to forgive ourselves. And I think this begins with understanding that God Almighty forgives our sins. Truly, he's the only one who can forgive our sins. So we need to we need him to see our faults clearly. As the psalmist says in, in Psalm 19.12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. As an aside, this is why I end my confession in the sacrament of penance, always with some iteration of, and for all the other sins that I have, I have forgotten, I am sorry. I'm not saying this to cover my bases. I'm giving thanks to God for declaring me innocent from hidden faults. So only when we receive God's love and mercy with an open heart can we be truly happy. In Psalm 32, 1, it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So how do we become so fortunate? How do we receive this divine forgiveness? And the answer is is bluntly simple. We ask for it. As Pope Francis rightly says, and so often, God never tires of forgiving us. We need only ask for his forgiveness with a contrite heart. And then we receive the promise of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 33, 8, it says this, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Further, by a true miracle, it's as if our sins don't exist. To illustrate the point, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah saying this in Isaiah 43, 25. He says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. The psalmist echoes the same joyous song in Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So it's clear that God forgives us when we're contrite when we ask for his forgiveness, and he never tires of forgiving us. 
Every single time you or I commit the same sin that we confessed last time, every time we find new ways to offend the Lord, he does not stop his mercy. As long as we have breath in our lungs, we can receive his forgiveness. So what then should our response be to this gratuitous mercy? Well, first of all, it should be gratitude. We should be thankful. What a beautiful gift to continually be drawn back to our Heavenly Father by our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. And second, we should do likewise. In the Gospel of St. Luke, Jesus says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Likewise, in St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is asked by St. Peter, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus replies, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And those two passages were from St. Luke's Gospel, 17, 3 to 4, and St. Matthew's Gospel, 18, 21 to 22. So here Jesus is not saying that we forgive 77 times, but to heck with them on the 78th time. It simply means an uncertain and inscrutable number. In other words, we could say that we are to forgive someone else as many times as it takes. This is not an excuse to sin, nor is it a free pass for the offender. Right before this passage, Jesus says to his disciples in Luke chapter 17, 1 to 2, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. But when someone does offend us in sin, but then asks for our forgiveness, who are we to deny them? We cannot judge people, we judge actions, and we can judge rightly that an action against us was immoral, it was imprudent, but we cannot judge the offender's heart and soul. So following the command of Jesus, we forgive as many times as it takes. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of WWC. The only way for this platform to grow is for you to get the word out. I would greatly appreciate taking a few moments uh, to share this episode with your friends or family if it's been a blessing to you. If this is something that has resonated with you, maybe it's something that you think other people need to hear, please feel free to share it on your social media. Uh, it would really help a lot in, in growing the uh, subscriber list and, and making sure that as many people as possible uh, get this content. I, I hope it's a blessing. I I really don't think we need another podcast, Um, but I I don't see a whole lot of podcasts trying to make good distinctions, and so that's what I'm trying to offer. So I hope that's helpful. I hope it's a blessing to you, but thanks so much for listening. Uh, If you haven't yet subscribed, you can go to willwritecatholic.substack.com and subscribe to receive new weekly posts every Monday and all the new content that is written uh, that I post kind of timely articles as they come up and as I feel moved to write them. Uh, As always, feel free to leave feedback, review, rate the podcast on whatever you're listening on, leave a comment, like it, uh, let me know what you think. And if you want to give me any specific feedback, uh, you can email me at will.write.catholic at gmail.com. 
Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.